I had just settled into my new place on Aspen Street, a building that had seen better days but fit my budget perfectly. The walls were paper thin and the floors creaked with every step. But it was close to work, and that was all that mattered. My first day there, I met Mr. Davis, an elderly man with a stooped posture and a habit of speaking in subdued tones. He lived in the apartment next to mine and seemed to have been there forever. We crossed paths in the hallway. He peered at me through thick glasses, his eyes curious yet wary. You're the new tenant in 12B, right? He asked, his voice barely above a whisper. I nodded, introducing myself. He glanced around, as if ensuring we were alone, and leaned in closer. There's something you should know about this place, he said, his voice dropping even lower. At midnight, this building, it changes. I raised an eyebrow, unsure if he was pulling my leg. Changes how? I asked with skepticism and intrigue in my voice. Mr. Davis glanced towards the old brass elevator at the end of the hall. There's a floor in this building that doesn't exist during the day. The 13th floor, he explained, his eyes glinting with fear and excitement. It only appears at midnight, and only if you're in the elevator alone. Press any button and it'll take you there. I chuckled, thinking it was some sort of prank or tall tale for the new guy. A hidden floor? Really? I asked, finding the idea absurd yet oddly fascinating. He nodded earnestly. I've seen it myself, but be careful, he warned, his voice dropping to a solemn tone. Not everything on that floor is... friendly. I thanked him for the advice, still unsure whether to take him seriously. That night, as I lay in bed, his words lingered in my mind. A hidden floor, accessible only at midnight? The thought was ridiculous, yet it nagged at me. Curiosity began to gnaw at my scepticism. I found myself glancing at the clock as it edged closer to midnight. The idea of a secret, possibly supernatural floor in my mundane apartment building was absurd. Yet, there was a part of me that needed to know. To see for myself whether Mr. Davis was just a lonely old man with an active imagination. Or if there was truth to his tale. I waited until the clock in my apartment showed a minute to midnight, then stepped out into the silent hallway. The air felt heavier than usual almost expectant. I walked to the elevator, the sound of my footsteps unnaturally loud in the stillness. As I entered the elevator, a shiver ran down my spine. The old creaky box felt more like a cage than ever. I pressed the button for the lobby, my heart beating faster with each descending floor. The digital display above the door counted down. Five, four, three, two, but then instead of stopping, the elevator gave a sudden, violent jolt, as if caught by some unseen force. It felt like a drop into an abyss. The display flickered erratically, the numbers blurring into incomprehensibility, and then with an ominous buzz, it settled on a number I'd never seen before. Thirteen. My breath caught in my throat. The elevator had stopped, but the doors remained shut, as if hesitating. I stood frozen, half expecting, half dreading what might be revealed. Then with a slow creak, the door slid open, revealing a corridor lit by flickering lights. The walls were a deep, peeling maroon, the air thick with a musty, forgotten smell. The carpet underfoot was faded, 
worn thin by the passage of unseen feet. I stepped out cautiously, my eyes struggling to adjust to the dimness. The hallway seemed to stretch endlessly, doors lining each side at irregular intervals. There was silence, a suffocating quiet that amplified the sound of my own breathing. I walked along the corridor, my footsteps muffled by the carpet. Each door I passed was closed with no sound or light coming from behind them. It was as if the entire floor was holding its breath, waiting for something to happen. As I moved further, I noticed that the temperature was dropping, each step forward feeling colder than the last. My breath started to mist in the air, and I wrapped my jacket tighter around myself. I had the unsettling feeling of being observed, yet the corridor remained deserted, a ghostly quiet enveloping me. I reached the end of the hallway and found myself facing a large window that overlooked the city. But the view was distorted, as if looking through water, the city lights blurred. I turned back, intending to return to the elevator when a faint sound caught my ear. It was a soft, almost imperceptible whisper, like a sigh carried on a breeze. I froze, listening intently. The sound seemed to be coming from one of the doors. Hesitantly, I approached it, my hand reaching out to the cold doorknob. The whispers grew louder, more urgent, as if beckoning me to uncover the secrets hidden behind the door. I turned the knob slowly, the door creaking open to reveal what lay beyond. The room beyond was shrouded in darkness, the only light coming from a flickering bulb in the hallway behind me. My eyes slowly adjusted to the gloom, revealing a long, narrow corridor that seemed to stretch further than the building's dimensions should allow. Hesitantly, I moved forward, each step cautious, as if the ground might give way beneath me. The air was stale, filled with a sense of desolation. It was uncomfortably silent, the kind of silence that presses against your ears, heavy and oppressive. Then, in the dim light, I noticed a figure standing at the far end of the corridor. It was a small girl, no more than ten years old, dressed in a tattered once-white dress that hung loosely on her thin frame. Her back was to me, her head bowed as if she were studying the peeling wallpaper. Are you lost? My voice sounded alien in the silence, and I half expected her to vanish at the sound, but she remained still, a fragile, almost ethereal presence in the shadowy hallway. She turned slowly, her movements deliberate, as if every action was a tremendous effort. Her face was pale, almost translucent, with dark circles under her eyes that spoke of exhaustion or illness. Her eyes, when they met mine, were empty voids, lacking the brightness one would expect in a child's gaze. Help me find them, she whispered, her voice a mere breath, barely audible. There was a haunting quality to her words, a depth of sorrow that seemed far beyond her years. Before I could respond, before I could even process her request, she simply vanished. One moment she was there, a sad, ghostly figure, and the next she was gone, as if she had never been there at all. The spot where she had stood was now just an empty space in the corridor. I stood there, frozen, my mind struggling to comprehend what I had just witnessed. The air felt even colder now, the shadows deeper. The girl's presence had left an imprint, 
a lingering sense of loss and longing. Find who? I murmured to myself, though I expected no answer. The encounter with the mysterious girl haunted me in the days that followed. But it wasn't just her image that lingered. It was the voices. They started as whispers, so faint I thought them figments of my imagination. They emanated from the walls of my apartment, subtle and elusive, like the rustling of leaves in a distant wind. Each night, the whispers grew more distinct, more desperate. They were voices pleading for something I couldn't comprehend. Their tones were laced with sorrow, fear, and an urgency that tugged at the edges of my sanity. Sleep became a stranger to me as the voices filled my nights with their unseen torment. I tried to dismiss them to convince myself it was all in my head, but their persistence wore down my resistance. They called to me a siren song of secrets and hidden truths. I found myself drawn back to the thirteenth floor, an inexplicable force pulling me towards whatever mystery awaited. This time, when I stepped out of the elevator, the corridor seemed different. It stretched longer than before, its boundaries obscured by shadows that danced just beyond the reach of the flickering lights. As I walked, the whispers grew louder, more insistent. They seemed to seep from the very walls, a chorus of voices trapped within the building's bones. The words were indistinct, but their emotion was clear. A sense of longing and despair that clung to the air like a damp mist. The hallway felt alive with these murmurs, each step forward intensifying the muted voices. Doors lined the corridor, shut tight, their paint cracked and peeling. From behind them, the whispers seemed to grow in fervour, as if aware of my presence. As I ventured deeper into the corridor of the thirteenth floor, the whispers that once filled the air transformed into anguished cries. They echoed off the walls, a chaos of despair that seemed to come from everywhere and nowhere. The intensity of the voices grew with each step I took, as if my presence intensified their torment. Suddenly, the doors along the hallway burst into life. They flung open and slammed shut with violent force, as if pushed by unseen hands. The sounds of banging doors merged with the cries, creating a symphony of chaos that reverberated through the narrow space. As I continued to walk, a terrifying realization dawned on me. I wasn't alone in this hallway. Invisible forces swirled around me, manifesting as sudden gusts of cold air that made me shiver uncontrollably. I felt hands, cold and insubstantial, grasp at my clothes, tugging me towards the open doors. Each touch was like a shock of ice, sending panic surging through my veins. I fought against these unseen assailants, pushing forward with a determination fueled by fear. My heart pounded in my chest, a frantic drumbeat echoing the chaos around me. The cries of the unseen grew louder, more desperate, as if they were trying to communicate through their anguish. Amidst this maelstrom of supernatural activity, a faint glimmer of light caught my eye. Down the hall, one of the doors stood ajar a sliver of light escaping into the darkness. Something about that light drew me in. With every ounce of strength, I fought against the pulling hands, making my way towards the door. 
The cries and banging doors reached a fever pitch as if the unseen entities were enraged by my attempt to escape their grasp. But the light seemed to offer sanctuary, a respite from the madness. As I neared the door, the hands relented, releasing their grip on me. I stumbled forward, propelled by relief and lingering terror. I reached the door, its faint light washing over me, offering a sense of calm amidst the storm. I pushed the door open wider, the light growing stronger, beckoning me inside. The door creaked open, revealing a room that time seemed to have forgotten. As I stepped inside, a cloud of dust stirred into the air, dancing in the beam of light that filtered through a crack in the ceiling. The room was silent, save for the soft whisper of my footsteps on the wooden floor. I was immediately struck by the sense of abandonment that permeated the space. The room was filled with personal belongings, each item a frozen moment in someone's life. There were photographs in tarnished frames, capturing smiles and embraces of people long gone. Toys lay scattered on the floor, their colours faded and surfaces coated in a thick layer of dust. Clothes hung limply on hooks and lay folded on a decrepit dresser, their fabrics moth-eaten and discoloured. Each piece seemed to hold a story, a memory of a life that had once filled this room with warmth and laughter. Now they were just relics of the past, untouched and unremembered. In the centre of the room, illuminated by the shaft of light, lay an open journal. Its leather cover was worn, the edges frayed, and pages yellowed with age. I approached it tentatively, drawn by an inexplicable need to uncover the secrets it held. As I flipped through the pages, a story began to unfold, a tale of sorrow and loss. The journal contained the accounts of the lost souls who once inhabited this floor. Each entry was written in a different hand, the ink faded but the words still legible, mirroring the pain and despair of its author. These were the stories of people who had vanished without a trace, their existence erased from the world outside. They spoke of being drawn to the thirteenth floor, lured by promises or driven by curiosity, only to find themselves trapped in this forgotten realm. One entry told of a young woman who came searching for her missing brother, only to become a prisoner herself. Another spoke of a man who stumbled upon the floor by accident and found himself unable to leave. Each story ended the same way, a life bound to this floor, a spirit unable to move on. As I read, the voices I had heard in the hallway began to make sense. They were the cries of these trapped souls, calling out for release, for someone to remember them. The sorrow in their words was obvious. The realization hit me with a wave of sorrow and empathy, these were not malevolent spirits or figments of my imagination. They were victims of a tragedy long forgotten, their existences confined to this hidden room and the desolate corridor outside. As I turned the final page of the journal, a chilling realization washed over me. The last entry was written in a familiar hand, the looping script unmistakable. It was Mr. Davis, my elderly neighbor. The words trembled across the page a farewell note of sorts, detailing his own entrapment in this spectral floor. But it was the date that struck me. It was decades old, 
My mind raced as I pieced together the horrifying truth. The lost souls haunting this floor weren't random spirits. They were the previous tenants of my very apartment, each drawn into this 13th floor, never to return. Mr. Davis, the man I had spoken to just days ago, was one of them. Was he a ghost? A lasting remnant of the man who once was? Panic set in, urging me to flee. I left the journal and dashed out of the room, heading straight for the elevator. My footsteps echoed in the now silent corridor, the cries and whispers having ceased, as if the revelation had silenced the very soul of the floor. I reached the elevator and frantically pressed the button. The doors slid open with a slow, almost reluctant creak. Inside, the elevator was different. The panel was old, the numbers worn. I pressed the button for the lobby, but instead of descending, the elevator ascended. The digital display flickered, and then, with a sinking feeling in my gut, I saw it. My apartment number, 12B, illuminated on the panel. It wasn't possible. I was on the 13th floor, a place that shouldn't exist. Yet there was my apartment number, mocking me with its familiarity. The elevator dinged, and the doors opened to reveal a hallway identical to the one I had just left. Confused and terrified, I stepped out, finding myself in front of my own apartment. The door was ajar, inviting me into a reality I couldn't comprehend. With trembling hands, I pushed the door open. The sight that greeted me was a mirror image of the hidden room in the journal. My apartment was barren, stripped of all its furnishings. The walls were bare, the floor covered in a layer of dust. It was as if my apartment had aged decades in mere moments. In the centre of the room, where my coffee table should have been, lay the journal, open to the last entry, Mr. Davis's farewell. It was then that the horrific truth dawned on me. I had become one of them. Trapped in a timeless loop on this forgotten floor, my existence erased from the world I knew. The room around me seemed to close in, the walls whispering secrets of the past. I was now a part of the 13th floor, another lost soul bound to its corridors. The realization was overwhelming. I was trapped, just like Mr. Davis, just like all the others before me. As I stood there, the light flickered and dimmed, leaving me in the gloom of my new reality. The 13th floor had claimed another victim, and I knew with a sinking heart that I was doomed to wander its halls forever a part of its forgotten lore.